This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Well, the current wave of COVID 19 infection driven by the Omicron variant BA5 is likely to subside even further this week, according to the Health Minister Ong Yi Kang. He said this in Parliament. He said that infection numbers in Singapore have been falling over the past 10 days. Now, while Singapore is still in the middle of the wave, the week-on-week ratio has dipped below 0.9 over the last week. For more on the current COVID-19 situation here and other updates from Parliament, we're joined by Zakir Hussain, Singapore editor at The Straits Times. Hi, Zakir. Hi. So, Zakir, it appears that the BA5 wave is likely to subside further this week. How Mm can Mr. Ong say this with such confidence? What is this conclusion based on? based on the data, really. You know, infection numbers have been falling. And I think just the trends alone seem to be indicative of, you know, this wave is really soon behind us. And so what's next? Once this wave dies down, where does Singapore Mm -hmm. go from here? Do we prepare for the next wave or what should we do? Did they talk about this in Parliament? It was discussed broadly. But one thing that came out was that, you know, close to nearly 60% of uh, local residents are likely to have been infected with COVID-19. And this is even though you've got, you know, about maybe 30% reported cases covering 30% of the population. Mm -hmm. But if you monitor blood samples and from routine polytechnic cases, as well as other healthy volunteers for signs of previous infection, the estimate is that about 6 in 10 local residents are likely to have been infected with COVID-19. But at the same time, this does not mean that we've got herd immunity because the virus could still mutate. It's still mutating. It's still infecting people. And I think, you know, there's still room to be caution, even though we've got good vaccination coverage. It's starting to sound like COVID-19 will be with us in some way, shape or form for a pretty right. long time. So in light of this, Mr. Ong actually also highlighted that regular COVID-19 booster shots could become the norm. What do you think That's of right. this possible scenario? I think it's probably a very real scenario, a little like the flu shots really. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's not about the number of boosters you take, but that, you know, maybe every nine months or every year, you, you know, with variations, you might need a shot just to raise your immunity. In which case, did they talk about, so for flu shot, if you're comparing it to flu shots, like here, we do it on our own. We pay for it ourselves whenever we right. travel or we know we're going to be exposed during the winter months. Did they discuss how they're going to roll this out, though, if it's a long-term thing for COVID-19? Is it still going to be a free a shot for everyone twice a year, or is it going to be out of our own pocket? So I think it really depends. But for now, it looks like, you know, the ministry is still trying to determine this frequency of shots that mm-hmm. you might need as well. as. But I think for the meantime, it does look like your COVID-19 shots will continue to be covered by the government. Something else that was discussed in Parliament, I understand, was children and COVID-19. So we saw the deaths of two young children from COVID-19 in June and July. To what extent does this raise concerns about the susceptibility of younger children to the new strains? And what will be done about this? So I think one concern is that, you know, children under five are more vulnerable to infection. They've got higher rates of severe outcomes, just like for other respiratory diseases. But at the same time, the incidence of severe outcomes does remain lower amongst small children compared to among the elderly. But at the same time, I think the main inoculation is really shots for children. And I think the ministry is rolling out plans to start vaccinating those under five Mm -hmm. by the fourth, you know, really starting October or November this year. 
This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. Zakir Hussein is the Singapore editor at the Straits Times. We're talking about all the headlines we are paying attention to here in Singapore this week. Zakir, an update on the monkeypox situation here. Where are we? So, you know, we've all had 11 cases reported here, none of them linked to each other. But at the same time, all the cases have mild symptoms, you know. And, you know, even though contact tracing has been done, all the close contacts who remained here have been well. You know, uh, some have completed the quarantine and none of them have developed symptoms of monkeypox. There seem to be, there's no evidence of further spread in the community from the reported cases. Close contacts have been offered the smallpox vaccine, which is generally quite effective in preventing monkeypox infection. And so at the same time, you know, there's no risk of, you know, you couldn't quite describe the situation here as an outbreak. But at the same time, I think the precautionary measures are being stepped up to raise awareness, especially among those at risk. Mm -hmm. And so for the moment, I think they're still being cautious about this. Here's the thing. Experts at the WHO said last week that they're watching the potential for the spread of monkeypox among children, especially extremely closely, because already more than Mm -hmm. 80 kids across several countries have contracted monkeypox, largely through household contacts. How concerned should we be about this? It's hard to say, really. I mean, 80 globally is still a very low number. You know, given the large number of cases outside Africa, is over 20,000. I guess it's just something to be mindful of that, you know, it's there, but it's still quite rare, I'd say. Zakir, the demand for the monkeypox vaccine is rising globally. And I've always believed that whatever the case, we need to be pandemic ready. Does mm-hmm. Singapore have an adequate stockpile of vaccines just in case and to protect vulnerable groups? So there is an adequate supply of smallpox vaccines. And there was mentioned that, you know, healthcare and lab personnel who might be at high risk of infection could be offered the smallpox vaccines to prevent them from being infected. Mm. So for now, there's an adequate supply of smallpox vaccines, but it remains to be seen whether this will be enough if, you know, it spreads further. Okay, Zakir, one last thing before we let you go. A quick update on the Sports Hub fiasco. What were talked about about this one? Yeah, so I think the main highlight was that the government's decision to take over management and overship really represented a fair deal for the government. And I think Minister Edwin Tong sort of gave a breakdown of the costs and said, well, the cost of terminating would really have been uh, comparable to the costs what SG would have paid had it continued with the arrangement for another 13 years or so. So it's really a fair deal on which to take back the assets. Moving forward, Zakir, how will Sport SG better utilize the facilities? How does it intend to attract high-level competitions, high-level talent as well? That was one of the criticisms of the previous management, that they weren't able Mm -hmm. to do this. Yeah. So I think the minister did outline plans to basically wrap up programming so that to make the area more accessible to Singaporeans while attracting global events. So, you know, regular open houses, small performances and even school sports days at the Sports Hub, more community events, as well as looking at ways to um, have Singaporeans of all ages uh, use the area around the Sports Hub for recreational exercise. And, you know, this includes using the wider Kalang precinct, really, for events as well. In terms of future public-private partnerships, to what extent Mm -hmm. might there be new guidelines that could apply to government agencies and statutory boards when it comes to these? So I think the reason is so, I guess, the government continues to be open to tapping on PPPs as a model, really. But I guess in terms of the evaluation process, as well as the framework, it does seem like there will be more due diligence and perhaps more attention paid to some of the possible um, 
partnerships and perhaps even possible cautionary lessons from this episode. That's it. Mm. Okay, Zakir. Thank you very much for that, Zakir Hussain there with the latest uh, from Parliament. The SG Extra podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.